0: welcome to season two of Check Your Beer. My name is Amy Todd, I'm the owner of Zymology Labs, and I help brewers make better beer through analytical testing, consulting, and training. This season I'm interviewing folks who work in beer quality positions. We'll learn how they get into beer, what their day-to-day looks like, how they grew their quality programs, challenges they faced, advice for brewers looking to start a quality program, the best part of their jobs, and much, much more. I hope this podcast motivates you and gives you ideas about where to start and how you can improve your own quality program. Let's take a listen to our first guest. Hello, welcome. Today I have Dana Garvis of Oregon Brew Lab with me today. Dana's a little bit different today. She does not run a lab within a brewery. She has her own lab to help other brewers similar to Zymology Labs. So Dana, why don't you start by telling us how you got into beer. Um, your previous experience, and then why you decided to start Oregon Brew Lab.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Amy. Um, I actually kind of started in beer in college, uh, mostly just drinking it, but I got my degree in chemistry, and at the time, uh, someone else in my cohort was interning at a local brewery, so I kind of had this like idea in the back of my head that... Um, like part of what I could do with my degree was was go into beer, uh, but as soon as I graduated, I actually went into water quality control, which was a nightmare, um, and was only in there for about six months. And then I remembered my friend Brian, and I was like, you know, I think I'll I think I'll give it a try and apply for for this chemist position at uh, at Minkasi. and so I did, and I got the job. Um, And so I built their lab, I built their sensory program. Uh, I sent yeast into space uh, that we then brewed with. Um, And it was right about that time that I realized that um, about half of my workload was actually from other breweries, not just Ninkasi. Um, And so I kind of figured that, well, maybe I could do this as a consultation thing maybe I could help other breweries instead of just one lab. And so um, I left Nkasi and purchased an Anton Parr uh, <laughs> with my retirement. And um, started Brew Lab in my garage, which uh, is kind of a crazy thing about. That was in 2014. Um, and here, here I am uh, eight years later. Okay. still in my garage. I, I had intended to move out in 2020, but we all know how that went. So mm-hmm. I was forced to work from home or continue to, continue to work from home uh, throughout the pandemic. Why
0: don't you tell us a little bit more about sending beer into space?
1: Yeah. Um, it was not beer. It was the yeast right slants east. that we uh, froze with, with uh, CO2 and... Uh, shot it into space. The first mission failed, we couldn't find the payload when it returned back to Earth, um, because the speed of takeoff knocked out the GPS. And so the second mission actually was successful. We're able to um, harvest yeast off of the slants and then brewed ground control, which is beer that you might maybe still be able to find in some specialty bottle shops. Uh, There's three different barrel-aged versions of that.
0: Well, so speaking of yeast in media, why don't you tell us what testing services you offer?
1: I offer a lot of the most basic ones, so ABV, IPU, color, pH. Uh, I also do things like TA and foam collapse rate, some of the more specialized um, beer tests. And then I have a small micro-program for plating, Uh, I have UBA WLD, the Diastaticus medium, and then uh, HLP that you can choose from. And and just one of those medias is, you know, $30 to to plate a sample and two is $50. So you can choose two medias to sort of select uh, what you're worried about in your beer. Um, and let's see. I also do various consultation things uh, for people, like brew house efficiencies or um, uh, your uh, alpha extractions, um, and then I run sensory classes for the consumer side, um, but also breweries like to like to do sensory classes as well. And that's that's sort of fallen off during COVID, but um, I'm hopefully going to get back into it and just see if that's something that consumers are still
0: interested in. What do you do for brew house efficiency?
1: It's been a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done that in a long time. I'm just, um, it is mostly to look at their numbers, look at what expectation is. Uh, A lot of it is some higher math. I would say some of the brewers don't have as much experience with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also realizing that like exact numbers of measurements, um, instead of
0: rounding. What's your favorite test to run?
1: My favorite test to run? Um, oh man, I don't know. I guess... I really do like doing gram stains, mm-hmm. even though it means that that's a positive hit. Uh, there's just something there. I like the colors. I think they're pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just kind of a fun test to run, and I like to go through the whole process. And then you have to wait for it to dry before you put it under the microscope, and just sort of that moment of like, "Ooh, what am I going to see?" Like, is there's sort of uh, a little bit of excitement there still. Uh, but then I also I love running ABBs I just think that the Anton Par is a really really cool instrument that just constantly astounds me that I have one mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, um, and that it's just so easy to use.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, I've run so many alcohol samples. They're not like that complicated, but it's yeah, still it's
1: there's still like a excited. fun element <laughs> yeah. to it. Even even yeah. uh, you know being in the industry for over a decade doing this like mm-hmm. doesn't I don't really get tired of it. Especially you know with new beverages sort of emerging out of out of breweries. Um, I never really know what's going to be going through the intel bar. It could be a beer, but it could also be a cider or a mead or a kombucha or a near beer. Um, yeah, I think that you know, and I've tested things like uh, syrups for maraschino cherries and um, uh, wine uh, re- wine reductions that are used for uh, flavored salts. And um, it's just, I, I think that one of the coolest things about testing alcohol is that it's not just beer and really anything and mm. what uh producers come up with constantly in me
0: Yeah. Do you get curious about what people are like I always get curious about my samples when they come, especially when they're in like, you know, mason jars or like what are they working on? What is this? Is it supposed yes. to is be that, this or, like or is it supposed to yeah. be
1: yeah, 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 totally. Like, ooh, this is, is this, like, a one-off? Is this the new seasonal? Like, yeah. I think there's a lot of really, there's a lot of cool excitement about um, getting breweries' products before they've necessarily hit the shelves mm-hmm. um, or even hit the social medias. And um, so, yeah, there's kind of, like, a funness to mm-hmm. being kind of on the cutting edge and knowing, like, oh, okay, this is a huge, like, um, last summer, there was like huge influx of ESP's, and I was just like, where is mm-hmm. this coming from, this is great, and then sure enough, a few minutes later, there was a huge resurgence of the ESP style in our area, so, and I'm not sad, it's yeah. a great style.
0: What's, what is your favorite style of beer?
1: Uh, dark Belgian, so Belgian Quad, or <laughs> Belgian Dark Strong. Uh, But they get me in trouble, so I had to stop judging that Mm -hmm. category. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I
0: might as well just finish it. Yeah, (laughs) right. Do you get a lot of customers that are uh, like one-off stuff, or do you have a lot of regulars who are kind of using you as part of their quality program?
1: Yeah, I would say... Man, it's hard to it's hard to really nail down those numbers. I'm, I'm sure I could look at them, but they are essentially meaningless because um, I kind of once a brewery is a client of mine, they have a tendency, even if it's just once initially, they have a tendency to come back in the end. Um, whether that's like as sort of an "oh shit" button that mm-hmm. they press, uh, or if it's like, "man, we're gonna." Actually invest in something a little more robust moving forward. Maybe the first time they use my services, you know, they had a, a potential infection, or you know, maybe they didn't quite get the uh, fermentation down that they wanted, and so their ABV is off, and they need to know how much by. Um, and so it generally starts with one beer or one one sample, um, and then maybe six to. 12 months later, they might be doing regular testing. Um, I would say most of my clients aren't one-offs. Uh, most homebrewers are one-offs. Um, but for the commercial side of things, um, I find that, uh, I don't know, something about testing is a big game. Yeah. Something about like knowing what exactly is in your pint and drinking that pint while looking at the numbers, there's just like a satisfaction there. Mm-hmm. And as a homebrewer myself, like I feel that way when I get around to testing my own beers too. Mm-hmm.
0: What are you've done some some projects with your homebrew club too, right? And you do a, an IBU sensory project a while back
1: we've done a few different projects the one there's one particular project that i've been working with with mark rockwood who's the club only competition head in our um in our homebrew club which is the cascade brewer society here in Eugene, oregon uh we've been around since the since 1982 so this year is our 40-year anniversary and in 2021, one of the ways that we wanted to get more people involved in submitting beers to our club-only competitions was to set a style and a recipe. And then we um, we partnered with our local homebrew shop, Home Fermenter Center, uh, to create kits for all grain and extract uh, that our club members can go and pick up for between 20 and $30. Uh, and brew a five-gallon batch out of that, or pick up two and brew ten gallons, whatever. Um, And then we judge all of those the way we normally would using the JCP guidelines, and then I also ran all of those uh, in my standard tests, which is just ABV, IV, color, and pH. And then we have a meeting where we all sit around um, on Zoom drinking each other's brews that were porch dropped or, you know, Mm -hmm. picked up, and um discussing the differences that we taste and we look at the judging results and then we look at the scientific results uh and we see how those compare and generally the scientific results could easily pull out the top four in both styles that we drive uh in early spring we did a blonde an american blonde and then uh this past october we did or i guess it was september october we did a quarter american quarter so we're looking at maybe doing an ipa for our next um, and you know, if that's something that really interests you, Mark and I are going to be creating a um, homebrew con uh, presentation for that that we're going to try and submit for. So mm-hmm. hopefully, we will be able to talk about that for.
0: Yeah, I got. Thanks for
1: asking. I feel like everyone always wants to know about the commercial element of, <laughs> of my job. Um, one of my favorite parts is was hanging out and working with uh, homebrewers. I mean, I just. Mm-hmm. I think that homebrewers have a level of versatility where they can experiment and create weird new trends and things um, that we sometimes don't necessarily give them credit for. Mm-hmm. And so I love being part of homebrew club.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I used to be more involved in our homebrew club and then I had two kids. and. Uh taken a bit of a back burner so i have uh, ingredients to to make us you know. We, um but we've
1: tried a few different ways to kind of get the children of our home brewing club uh, involved and, and one of the things is uh, that we've done in the past is like a root beer brew off mm. and so we do judging and, and it's a whole thing so yeah. there's there's cool ways to mm-hmm. get um uh, parents involved along mm-hmm. with their kids that doesn't have to include alcohol
0: uh, so what does a day-to-day look like to you in the
1: Day-to-day is so, it's so different, but I'll give you a general, like, lab day, um, you know, my, my lap's in the garage, so if it is cold outside, I need to heat it up in the morning while I'm drinking my coffee, uh, and then I read micro if I have any, uh, get those plates stained so that they can dry, so I can get them under the scope and take photos. Um, oh, that's one of the things I love. I love taking mm. micro photos. Yep. Um, then uh, start filtering out samples, uh, Do sample intake, uh, take down shipping packages and stuff, um, and throw things into the Anton par While that's running, I'll start to get IP samples prepared uh, and centrifuged and spin down any SRM ones that look like they're not going to pass the 700 nanometer test. Um, let's see. What else? And then if I have VDKs, I'll start degassing those and distilling them. Uh, what else? General emailing. General uh, wearing all the hats of the business means answering media inquiries, uh, doing interviews or podcasts. Uh, I'm pretty active on Instagram. So uh, if it's Thursday night, I'm preparing my Science Friday posts uh, and or quizzes. Um, I think that my day-to-day is not very consistent, uh, but that's sort of what I love about it. Mm-hmm.
0: What are some of the similarities and some of the differences between... Running your own lab for other breweries versus when you were running the lab inside of another brewery?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the best ones is I'm my own boss. Um, I think that when I am able to really focus on the science and not worry about, um, I mean, I do still worry about budget, but not worrying that I'm. Utilizing resources that are uh, precious, uh, I feel like just having a lot of control over the lab uh, is definitely one of the best parts. Um, I think you know the worst parts about being in quality control in general is delivering bad news, right? Telling your brewery, "Hey, we got to dump this tank." Uh, that that doesn't go away um, mm-hmm. when you when you consult that actually is increased, you know, 500 times or however many clients you have uh, because you have to then tell the, you know, this client, hey, yeah, your ABV is off from from what you have on the label or yeah, there is a pediococcus infection. Uh, One of the worst for me, honestly, though, is if they send it in to get tested for micro and then it comes back totally clean, I love that, but there's always this, like, little thing in the back of my head that's like, well, why is it clean? They sent it in for a reason. And so even good news can be hard to deliver sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that doesn't change between answering to just one brewery versus answering to, you know, all the breweries. (laughs) Um, I think another thing is uh, I probably harder on myself than my Mm -hmm. previous classes were so making sure my duplicates and my blanks and my controls are within spec Um, i definitely have spent more time on quality control charting uh, than than i did uh working at the brewery and i think i think that i wish i had done that more um but i just didn't have time for it to be honest Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, what's now, knowing all that you do, uh, with working with so many other breweries, are there things that you would have done differently at Ninkazi, or similar to... Um,
1: I feel like I got, like, the best primer Mm -hmm. possible. I was working with so many brewers and master brewers that were just so science-based, and had been trained by Dr. Bill, who's this guy out here in oregon for uh beer science and so i what would i do differently you know maybe i would have been a little less um oh i guess i would be a little less strict i would you know like if we were out of that point point three range which on ABV, like i raised hell Mm -hmm. um now understanding kind of how the ttv works and that like occasionally being out of spec once in a while is, is um acceptable we'll say it's not great not ideal but as long as you can show the ttv that you're constantly improving or constantly working on it um it's not that big of a deal to miss targets occasionally and i think that when you're first in the beer industry to miss targets to come from water quality control mm-hmm. where missing targets with water quality means life or death or can be, uh, you know, I think I was a little um, yeah, a little strict on on how to handle missed targets or flanked peers. So I would have been maybe a little more um, relaxed in that way, looking mm-hmm. back. Uh, but in general, like I I owe where I'm at now to Ninkoski and the team the production team that I worked with, and um, they taught me everything I have for my foundation about beer.
0: And you have worked with several breweries to help them set up their own lab, right? Yes. Do you have any advice for listeners who are looking to get started with their own lab?
1: Yeah, I think I'm Mm going to end up just echoing all your previous guests, but uh, start small. Yeah, pick, um, Pick something that you feel really, really strongly about or that is easy and fits your budget. You know, a very small micro program with just um, basic UBA or HLPE media. Uh, those are things that um, are inexpensive and do can be used all across the, the brewing process from hot side to cold side to packaged product. Um, you know, a micro media a QA program can can really help you dial in a few few metrics across the board. Uh, I think a pH meter costs you less than um, $200 for all the reagents and all the probes that you need. And it's another one that uh, anybody can have at at any point in the brewing, brewing process. So again, hot side, cold side, fermentation uh packaging barreling um I, I just i can't think of a single part where um measuring and tracking logging recording your your ph is, is useful all the time um so those are things i wish i wish people knew um i wish people knew that you don't need an autoclave you don't need a pressure cooker uh, you can use a microwave to sterilize your micromedia. It is safer for technicians because you're not putting anything under pressure in extreme heat. It is more energy efficient. Um, it's quicker. I can go from powdered media to plates ready to be streaked in less than two hours, uh, which is pretty unheard of if you're using a pressure cooker or an autoclave. Uh and I think that it is a tool. The microwave is a tool that can be used in a brewing lab that isn't really utilized on a um, on a like mass population front.
0: It's cheaper too. And Dana way cheaper. Dana has a wonderful fireside chat video on her website. I will link to that. Um, but she's got a whole presentation on comparing using an autoclave to a microwave, and it's great. I tell everyone about it, and she's Yay. got oh, thank a you. whole bunch of other really awesome videos on there too.
1: Yeah, there's some other ones. I go into the difference between uh, full acid, uh, total acidity, and pH. I think that that's a really awesome talk. Uh, there's one where I show you how to how to do a Gram stain and how to do some basic uh, uh, micro-identification. One of my favorite talks that doesn't get a lot of attention is called Deadly Sensory, which kind of talks about what is the sensory experience of different poisons. Um, So I went through a lot of historical texts uh, to try and find... uh, any sort of recorded commentary about what a poison tastes like before that person died.
0: Yeah. Uh, so it's actually a very
1: cool talk. Um, my, my Google search history was very curious for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched that one, yeah. Those, those, those talks it are awesome. So I'm very
1: proud of them. I did six, uh, and you can find them on my YouTube page.
0: Do you have any future plans for the lab? so many yeah
1: <laughs> so many future plans uh right now i am shopping for a retail space to move out of the garage just like in february 2020 mm-hmm. um so I that's kind of taking up a lot of my spaces is, is um trying to find a new spot for me i'd like to be able to host uh, industry events like to be able to host sensory classes in person um but i think that for now i'm just gonna keep looking and we'll find something perfect uh let's see i also just got an atomic absorption spectrometer which means that i can run sodium uh which is something that a lot of people looking for their fda nutrition facts uh, are very curious about um that is still sort of in process right now. Uh, And, you know, Amy, you've been trying to convince me, well, sort of trying to convince me for a while to get a gene disc, which is definitely something I am, you know, really interested in. One of the limitations of of my microbe program is that it only catches uh, um, microbes that are alive, currently actively living. And I think that having PCR so that I can say, yeah, you did have a video infection, but now it's gone. Um, it can still be something that's useful for gurus looking to do insurance claims. Or, you know. I think that um, double dipping that type of micro would just make my program much more robust. Um, but you've you've told me of some of the limitations, so...
0: Which one of the big ones is not knowing if it's alive or not, unless you do an yes. enrichment
1: step. Unless you also so you, the idea would be to like plate at the same time, right? You plate and do your dilutions.
0: Yeah. So well, so I don't have any traditional plates now. That's one thing on my list to to get going. But I do have enrichment media, so I can enrich a sample. Um, but then I have to run it before and after which yeah. is, you know, running two separate tests. And then if it What's increases, your, then it's alive.
1: Yeah. What's your current uh, barrier to, to getting into plating?
0: Uh, just time and, you know, figuring out An incubator, what,
1: probably. Uh,
0: I do have... I have an old lab oven that I can... Oh. It'll stay at, you know, 28. Um, yeah. It's not very big. But, no, it's just more um, getting around to... Price out Purchasing everything I all the need stuff. And get everything and, yeah.
1: Writing an SOP and...
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I understand. <laughs> it's hard to add stuff when I feel like everything's pretty consistent here. Um, and, like, there's good flow and adding more tests mean adding more reagents, and more controls, and uh, more space is required. So... Um, I understand it's hard, but you want to you want to continue to offer new things to your clients.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have an internal process like when you before putting out a new test, like a steps you go through?
1: Yeah, so I use my current control, which is you know one of the macro light beers. Uh, that is, you know, always consistent, uh, and I run that through, like, the SOP put out by the uh, instrumentation, and then I use that as a comparison to ASPC, um, and then kind of create my own out of how both of those ran using all the particulars and the nuances of my lab, and. Uh, the equipment that I have available to fill out that SOP. I'll run it a few times on that and then I'll uh, contact a local brewery I'm working with or you know if, if they're not local if they're outside of Oregon uh, and they send like an extra can or an extra bottle I'll email them and say hey I'm testing out this new thing is it okay if I use this um, extra sample for that it's free um, and then that way I'm able to like run Um, some unknowns Mm -hmm. and sort of see how that goes. If it's a, if I can, it'll be a brewery that has a lab that runs that metric as well. I think that that's one of, that's a cool thing about this job is I get to meet a bunch of the other lab people in beer um, who work specifically for a brewery. Um, And there's you know, there's been times where um, one of my controls was off. Like I got one of my, I had a period of time where um, the 12 pack of the light beer that I purchased for my laboratory control standard uh, had a super low pH, like was off by 0.2, and I was pretty panicked about it. But luckily, one of my clients uh, runs their runs their pH meter on all of their beers along with. What my tests say, and so they kind of use the lab as a baseline, and so I was able to email her and say, "Hey, uh, can you make sure that my pH is matched yours because my control is way off?" And that lab person was able to say, "Like, yeah, you're fine. And, like, you match all of us down the line. And what's wrong?" And I just said, "Well, my control, the, four pack, the twelve pack I bought, um, all of those cans have a lower pH than what I'm used to." And so I think that having uh, having someone else that runs kind of the same thing that you can bounce off of is just pretty useful. And, and, and you and me and Emily from mm-hmm. Firmly also do this. I think it's my turn. I just haven't gotten around to shipping out beers. Uh, but uh, Amy from Zomology and then me from BrewLab and Emily from Firmly, we send out quality control samples we try to once a quarter, uh, and then we all test. We have a running Google Doc where we can compare numbers and sort of just keep each other in spec. And I think that um, it's definitely uh, something that helps keep everything in line. And then, of course, I do TTB certification every two years. I just got re-upped, so nice. that's wonderful. I love the feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that month leading up to finding out is, is stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: um all right is there anything else that we should know about oregon brew lab or anything else you want brewers to know about quality control
1: oh man so many things (laughs) where do i start um i i think that uh quality quality control is just really important um i think that knowing the numbers of your beer uh empowers you to continue to make good beer or uh, empowers you to improve on on your recipe or your processes i think that um you should be nicer to your quality control person <laughs> they go through a lot they have to deliver bad news a lot and they get shot a lot as a messenger so be nice to them um they really just want what's best for the beer they want to they f- Quality control people feel like there's an ownership of the product because um, that's their stamp of approval. If it made it out into the world, that is that's because it has quality control checks. And so,
0: um, and you don't want them scared year. to tell you something. <laughs> you want that information, whether you realize it or not.
1: You do. You do. Um, anything else about brew lab i would just say follow me on instagram i have a really cool science friday uh running event where i do quizzes related to beer or related to science or memes um we keep it light and fun uh, and ch- yeah check out my youtube channel i have some pretty cool videos on beer science Uh, and feel free to reach out and ask me questions. You know, I I feel strongly about beer science education, and um, that's something that's never going to change. So if you want to nerd out with me and and talk beer science, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, great. And I will link to Dana's YouTube channel and her website and all that in the show notes. And thanks so much, Dana. It was fun chatting with you. Oh, thanks, Amy. I feel like we could do this for hours. Yeah, we definitely could. We'll probably keep talking after I turn this off. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you're looking for more quality tips, check out Season 1 of Check Your Beer, where I'm joined by Julie Smith of Lawson's Finest Liquids. Also, check out ZymologyLabs.com for more resources and blog posts.